Welcome to the Ban Hall, a Young Band Directors of Texas podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chelsea Frazier, president of YBDT, and with me is Amanda Blackstone, our executive director. YBDT is a nonprofit organization for young band directors in Texas. We're here to talk about the ins and outs of teaching band, especially in the first few years of your career. Today we are joined by Taylor Gaskins to talk about imposter syndrome. What does it mean? What does it look like? And how do we work through it? Welcome to the Ban Hall. Taylor, we're so excited to have you. Um, in case you did not know, Taylor is the college team lead for Young Band Directors of Texas, so we get to see her every two weeks online, but it's really excited to bring her, exciting to bring her onto the podcast today. Taylor, can you tell us just a little bit more about yourself? Sure, can do. Hi, my name is Taylor Gaskins. I am currently the assistant band director at Wayside Middle School in Saginaw, Texas, which is 20 minutes directly northwest of downtown Fort Worth. This is my second year in the position. I graduated from the University of North Texas in 2019 with my degree in music education. I grew up in the Austin area. Uh, that's always gonna be a little piece of home, but I'm super, super lucky and fortunate to end up where I did. I love my kids, I love my job, and I love combining the two every day. It's, it's a dream come true. And we are truly living the dream, aren't we? Yeah, day by day. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like I wasn't excited. I do love my job. <laughs> uh, it is hard. We're, we're nearing the end of the school year, and I feel like we're all hitting that wall or coming up close to that wall. May is coming fast, y'all. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just looking at my calendar this morning, and there's lots of colors on every single day. Yeah. And uh, it's a lot, but it's exciting. There's a lot of cool stuff that's happening. Well, it's funny that you say that because one of my friends – that I was talking to had asked me right after UIL, like, is things, are things going to slow down now? You get to kind of chill. And I <laughs> was like, yes, they will. It's going to be so great. And then we turned right around and did solo and ensemble, which we hosted yeah. yesterday. And yeah, that slowing down did not occur. And, and so I was texting her just a little earlier today. And I said, now I really do think things are going to chill out. I know I told you that a month ago, but now I'm serious. I think it's going to chill out just a little bit. <laughs> I just, I'm you. like, I don't know if I was telling the truth. The secret for band directors is that it never chills out. There's always exactly even during the summers. Like we 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 try to leave work, but work never leaves us. Yeah, true. There's always something to look forward to. So let's dive into what we're talking about today. Uh, We're talking about imposter syndrome. Now, before we get into this, um, I was doing some reading before this podcast, and I found a really great Time article. Um, that you guys can find if you're interested. Um, look, just going to Google and typing in time imposter syndrome. I think the article is called How to Deal with Imposter Syndrome. Really great article that really outlines everything, is a nice read, talks about different levels and what you can do about it. But Amanda, do you want to kind of, in your own words, tell us what <laughs> imposter syndrome is? Sure. I also actually have the article pulled up, and the title's a little sassier than that. It's Oh, is it? Yes. Yes, imposter syndrome is real. Here's how to deal with it. Okay, love that. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of sass. Um, but my understanding of imposter syndrome is just that feeling in a social setting or a work setting or something where you do have authority to speak on what you're talking about, but you don't feel that you do. Or there's that little voice in your head that's saying like, 
you're just full of it and everyone around you knows it and you should just be quiet now. <laughs> like, to me, that's imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the way that I like to think about it is that you may have the qualifications and the experience necessary, but you feel that everything you do is not ever enough and that you're, you're, you're just kind of a chameleon waiting to be called out. Like you're trying so hard to blend in and not to stick out and not to draw any attention to the fact that you feel like things are going to fall out from under you at any time. Mm -hmm. And it's, I, I've been there before. It's so hard, but yeah, just to open it up. Like if you're feeling like this right now, or you've ever felt like this at all in your life, you are not the only one. This is mm -hmm. very unfortunately common, especially in any industry having to do with fine arts or in the band world. And I'm really excited to get the opportunity to deconstruct this. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when I'm thinking about it, and it, it's exactly what you guys said, you do belong, you do have the qualifications, but you feel like you don't belong. Um, and that's a hard feeling, and it can, and it can, can apply in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And um, just like Taylor was saying, I think this is a lot more common than people think. I was talking to my husband about this beforehand. I was like, do you have any thoughts, Dad? He was like, everybody feels it. Just make sure everyone knows everybody feels it. And he's exactly right. I've felt yeah. it at times. Uh, I'm sure you guys have as well, but um, it's something to talk about for sure. Yeah, and I, I think it can be especially present for teachers because, well, actually, I mean, I don't know about all teachers because I've only ever taught band, but as a band director, I will never be an expert on every instrument. <laughs> Sorry, that could be a lifelong pursuit of mine and I would still never reach it and I've accepted that and yet I still try but um, mm -hmm. you know it's one of those things that I'll never I'll never know every fingering and I'll never know every tuning tendency or every what does this button do I will never have the answer to all of those things and that's okay um, but be, knowing that it can contribute to imposter syndrome like even if it's just for a split second of like <gasps> I don't have the answer and and learning that you have to be able to say I don't know which is one of my least favorite things to say to my middle school students because then it's usually followed by like a million more questions and I don't have time for that but you know sometimes I really do have to say I don't know <laughs> and I'll say it with like that tone of voice like I don't know I'm a flute player <laughs> and they'll be like okay fair I guess you know <laughs> And even then, um, there, and I'm not sure how much the article talks about this, but one of the one of the first steps to not only acknowledging imposter syndrome but moving past it is acknowledging the separation between the things you don't know and your qualifications that got you there in the first place. Mm -hmm. Like not not knowing the the like thir three of the seven high G fingerings on clarinet. I have a clarinet player, so I can say this. Not knowing <laughs> three of the seven or eight different high G fingerings on clarinet does not mean that you are a terrible band director. And one of the first memories that comes to mind, my very first year of teaching, uh, we, we always start our kids together at the beginning of the year. Since it's middle school, we teach posture and all that fun stuff. And the first day that we split, uh, we have trombones, euphoniums, and flutes during fourth period. And the first day where it was just my flute class and I in the room, and they were staring, all these adorable little baby flute players were staring up at me like, okay, Miss Gassins, what are we going to do now? And there was just this moment of sheer internal panic of, oh no, I am the adult in the room. What are we doing next? 
I have a general idea of how we need to get started. Why did they pick me for this? How am I the most qualified person for this job? Why do they trust me to teach these 15 young flute players how to play flute? Just all, just the, this wall of insecurity. Just oh, hit. yeah. You know, you saying that reminds me of uh, my one of my most mortifying moments as a teacher that I probably sometime promised myself would never come out on this podcast or is usually <laughs> only shared if I feel really comfortable that the person hearing it is not going to judge me like a thousand times. But it's hilarious because it regards euphonium, which is funny because my husband is a euphonium teacher. And so when I was at tech as like a, I think I was a junior, maybe a senior, I think it might be your you know, it's two semesters before you student teach or something, they start sending you out to local schools just to kind of help out. You know, that mm -hmm. director can give you any job they can tell you to sit in the rehearsal and listen, or they can send you out with kids. Well, I was with, um, I was with Oscar Dennis, who's a really great guy. He actually might be in your region now, Taylor. Um, cause I remember seeing him out there when I was in the DFW area. Anyways, really super nice guy. If any of you guys know Oscar Dennis, he's, two thumbs up, really great. And what I liked about working with him was that he really did take, like he sent me with kids pretty much right away just so I could start getting that teaching, you know, um, that start using my teaching muscles <laughs> um, that had been dormant the whole time because I hadn't had a chance yet. So he sent me with first um, like a, a little group of beginner flutes because he had like completely mixed beginner classes and it was a little bit hard to manage so he sent me with the flutes first and that was really fun and came pretty naturally to me but in the same day or same morning segment or whatever that I was there he also sent me with a few beginner euphoniums and this was right at the beginning of the year and I want to say they had already done some buzzing on the mouthpiece, but they were like ready to start putting it on, on the horn and stuff. And I had not ever even thought about beginning brass. I think at that point I thought I was probably going to be a high school director. So I hadn't put any thought into how to start um, kids on the instrument. And I'll just get to the point. I taught them how to <laughs> hold the euphonium wrong. Oh, I taught no. them wrong. <laughs> Guys, Wait, how an, did you teach them? I'm an idiot. I had them. This is the dumbest thing. I can't believe I'm even oh saying my. it. I had them take their left hand. Wait. Yeah, their left hand and use it for the <gasps> valves. Amanda. Yeah, I know. I told you it's very mortifying. Don't judge oh. me, Chelsea. I'm not judging. Don't judge me. I but, would never. <laughs> but I did it. Because I had, I am such a stuck up flute player sometimes. I had never even really looked at how a euphonium was played. Like I had looked, I'd probably paid closer attention in marching band to instrument carriage and stuff, but I had never really paid attention to concert euphonium players and how they press the valves, what hand they use. And, and you could kind of go either way. And if you think about it as a flute player, we always pull our left hand all the way over and use our fingers. I'm just saying. These so, are excuses. No, I'm yeah, kidding. it was I'm a kidding. mistake. <laughs> it was a mistake. But I fixed it. I fixed it the next yeah. day. Is the moral of the story? Good, 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 good. I realized that I did it wrong, and I went back and fixed it the next day. But that haunted me. Still does to this day. Um, but don't worry, Brett, my husband, he already knows about it. So this is not like <laughs> outing a secret. He already I know. knows. Is he gonna listen to this and, and be mortified? That's so. <laughs> He'll funny. be like, I disown you. <laughs> I can see that side eye now. Well, oh, you know, he, he likes to tease me about it every once in a blue moon, and, and I own it. It was a mistake, but 
you know, just that being said, okay, in that moment, I might not have been qualified to teach them how to do right. the euphonium, but at least like how to use their arms and their hands. But I did know enough about buzzing to help with that. So it's one of those things that like, you know, it wasn't, it was good that Oscar sent me with those kids because it was a huge learning moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, even in that setting, I wasn't an imposter. I was an adult um, with a certain amount of experience in the band world trying to help kids learn. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you can make mistakes mm-hmm. while you do that, but still it be if you're in pursuit of, you know, better teaching, then that's okay. You know, I came back and I corrected it and... It was fine. Well, and I think the fact that you are slightly embarrassed or mortified by it, <laughs> I think I think that's a good thing, honestly, because you know that it was a mistake. You went back, you corrected it, and you're constantly trying to do better. You know, there's a difference between that and someone going, ah, whatever, it's no big deal. No, you, you learn from it and you grow, and you you know you're still the you. We are all experts. Okay, but experts don't have to know every single detail. Exactly. That's actually a perfect segue into something the article mentions. Uh, it quotes a, an author named Valerie Young, who has done a ton of research into thought patterns that lead into imposter syndrome. Now, keep in mind how many of these apply to band directors that you know or who you are as a person. The categories are as follows. The perfectionists, the experts, the natural geniuses, the soloists, and the supermen. How many of those categories do we try to fill on a daily basis? Oh, Ooh. snap, called out, right? <laughs> remember, not, not, ever, not ever said to call out. I always tell my kids, like, it's, al- it's always said in love. But even then, like, especially during a COVID year, like what we're in right now, we are asked to be so many things that we're not normally used to being. And just trying to fulfill all those categories leaves us feeling out of place when something does go wrong that we don't know or... That, that, one flu- that one kid just can't get it and we're out of resources and you're just stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think the awareness that comes with imposter syndrome can be healthy. Kind of like what Chelsea was saying about, you know, I knew that I messed up and I'm trying to learn and get better and things like that. You know, I think having a certain amount of reflection when you're teaching and awareness to the quality of information that you're giving or, you know, the knowledge that you do have to back it up is healthy because it encourages you and motivates you to continue refining and continue learning. But it's when that little voice in your head changes from, hey, you know what, as you're saying this, you don't actually know quite that much about it. Maybe you should look it up later. When that voice goes from saying that to saying, how could you be saying this right now? Mm -hmm. You are such a fake. You just, you know, should stop talking or or whatever. It's when that voice like turns on to you as a person when it becomes personal and the funny thing is it's all internal it's all in your head it's not even anyone else looking at you and saying like fake imposter (laughs) no one is thinking that no one's doing that especially not middle school kids or or even high school kids they're too worried about what's going on in their little worlds you know um to be really questioning you but um yeah it's it's just when that when it changes from something that motivates you to learn more into something that almost paralyzes you, that's when it gets dangerous. Is there a time that you, and it doesn't have to be like a situation, but is there something that you've, you guys have done that you have, are like, oop, I feel like an imposter right now? 
I've got a few, actually. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out which one would be the best one to tell. Uh, yeah, actually. So back when TMEA still did the full like in-person job fair, the, the last year they did it was 2019, and then 2020 they decided, hey, we're we're gonna change things up, and then uh, the the world exploded, and everything right, as right. we know it changed. But uh, my my student teaching semester was 2019. So I, I got on my best suit, I was ready to go, and I, I was already dealing with some pretty intense anxiety during that student teaching semester because I was just so concerned about doing well and making good impressions and wanting to get a job. It, it, I should have just gone back and shaken my shoulders and gone, it's February, it's early, you're doing better than you think you are. But mm -hmm. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So I remember walking into that and for those of you that have never done the job fair at TMEA, it is one of the most out-of-body experiences you will ever have in your entire life. Because there are just all these tables set up, like HR people and fine arts directors from different districts. And there is just this whole mass of humans, either like incoming first-year teachers or folks that are moving to Texas and they want to get into the industry. Or it's people a bit that of a cattle call. Switch. It is. Yeah, and definitely. And then they they say go, and then everyone just rushes, and they all everybody tries to go for the same twenty districts, mm -hmm. and it's it's just a hot mess. And I just remember standing in that line. I'm like, okay, you're the head drum major of the Longhorn Band. You're really big at A&M Commerce. You're the head drum major at TCU. And there were all of these people that I knew peripherally through social media and. With all of the friends that I made in North Texas, it's like, okay, you're you're a drum major for Green Brigade. You made the Wind Symphony. You've been in the Wind Symphony three years in a row. Just all of these things. And I'm just like, what am I even doing here? Uh, who in their right mind is going to want to hire this over <laughs> this overeager, overenthusiastic little clarinet kid? <laughs> and just that, that feeling kind of persisted all the way through that job hunt, mm -hmm. that job fair. And to be fair, the, the fact that there were so many people so nervous running around that it made the internal temperature of that hall about 25 degrees warmer than the rest of the convention <laughs> center didn't help either. And when everybody's in formal clothes, y'all, that, I was so, like, little TMI, I was so sweaty. It was so awkward. <laughs> like, you're just like, I, I, I hope you know I'm not nervous, but, oh my gosh, it was, it was really intense. And luckily, everything did work out the way it was supposed to. But imposter syndrome is often tied to just this feeling of being utterly powerless to do anything about your current circumstances. Mm. Because in, in your brain, everything is so far outside of your control that no matter what you try, nothing is going to change. And that couldn't be any further from the truth. I remember yeah. standing in those lines too. And I, I remember what gave me the most anxiety was the they separated it like, okay, if you're orchestra, go talk to this person, you know, whatever. And then the band line was always so long. And I'm like, okay, so why are they going to choose me out of these 50 other band people that are in this line right now? That was, oh, that one, that gave me so much anxiety. Amanda, do you have a I, well, I did the job fair and it, mm -hmm. not much came of that experience for me. I, I think me it's much more about, um, not, I'm not going to say who you know, but it's more about who you know in the sense that the people that you can get connected to and introduced to in a more flattering way. Because yeah, showing up in a cattle call and handing a resume over where it's added to a stack and you are like me where I'm like average height, average weight, brown eyes, brown hair. Like I'm not going to stand out, I feel, to anybody in, in that situation. But if I'm like introduced to someone in a positive complimentary way by someone else they trust, like that's going to make a more lasting impression. So I did the job fair. I'm glad I did it just so that I felt like I put myself 
you know, put my foot forward, but I wouldn't do it again. And I, I've told some people in the past, like YBDT members, they've asked me if they should do it. And I've kind of told them what I thought of it and said, mm-hmm. you know, it's really up to you. But um, there was something else I was going to say and I, I forgot. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I had a recent one. Um, well, recent-ish, I guess. Um, grad school. Going back to grad school. I, so I started, just so you guys, everybody at home knows, I'm working currently on my master's in music education at Texas Tech, um, and I started, yeah, we're doing it together, Um, but I started last summer, so summer of 2020. I had already been thinking about it. Things shut down. I was like, hey, this is a great time to start this. I have nothing better to do in the middle of a pandemic besides study. So I did a whole bunch of classes last summer. I took one last fall. I'm in a class right now. It's what I've been working on all weekend, trying to finish up this final proposal. Um, And then I'm going to be hopefully finishing it up this upcoming summer. So I'm on like super speedy track. Yeah. Um, Can I just interrupt for a second and and give you guys some perspective? (laughs) Okay. Chelsea started her master's last summer and Mm -hmm. she's finishing this summer. Now I am finishing the same program this summer and I started five years ago. (laughs) I started five years ago and it has taken me that long to get to the same point that Chelsea is at right now. Like I don't know how she does it. Even then there's actually a really valuable lesson to be learned in there about your timing is not anyone else's timing. True. And no matter how long it takes you to do something, the most important thing is that you finish it. Do it. Yes, and I will keep telling myself that until I get to that finish line because I know it's going to be hard (laughs) to squeak it out. (laughs) I'm going to drag her along with me. Amanda, you may feel like a turtle, but you're our turtle and we're proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, Anyway, yeah, and I'm going super speedy track and it has not been easy and I don't know if I suggest it to anyone. So maybe go the the slow way. Anyways, the first couple of classes that I had, and they're all on Zoom, and because um, I'm doing it at a distance, um, but it's like all of a sudden the language is very academic, and I understand it, and I know that, and I can, you know, all of that, but I don't use it in my daily life, and so the first couple of classes, I was like, whoa, this is, okay, I'm taking notes, I'm back in school again, switching my brain over, and then we're having these, you know, in-depth conversations, and I'm like, am I good enough to be here like why did they let me in is it just because I went to Texas Tech in my undergrad is it just because this is it just because this and you know I know I'm qualified I know I'm smart enough I know I work hard I know all of this but when you're sitting like especially when I first started it I was like why did they accept me why am I sitting here in class with these other incredibly smart intellectual people um and am I going to be able to do this like so much doubt in my brain. Um, and I think it might have been the Time article, it might have been another one that I read, that um, graduate students, this is imposter syndrome is a, is a big thing that happens in a lot of graduate students. You know, I kind of wonder if imposter syndrome happens for graduate students kind of in the same way it might happen for kids in our programs who are either new like came from a different school or came from a different band director like back they had different teachers because you always I think as a graduate student you always think did I learn this in undergrad Mm. and like 
am I, you're wondering if you're qualified because you're like, was this covered? Like, did I miss that lesson? Do I really remember how to mm-hmm. analyze this music theory? Or am I just like a little bit off? And um, I wonder if kids coming into our program kind of feel that way too, or even just like after they take a summer break and they come back and they're like, did we ever really play the E flat major scale? Are you <laughs> sure about that? Cause I'm starting to think that it definitely has a natural there, you know? <laughs> does this pinky key actually do what you say this pinky key does? Yeah. <laughs> no, I bet you're right. And I bet, I bet any time there is a, a difference maybe that you're walking into. Like the language that we're using in grad class is completely different. Um, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I teach beginners in middle school band. So I'm looking at grade ones and twos all day long. And you asked me to talk about um, medieval music from whatever century. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> That's a part of my brain that has not been activated in a really long time. Um, but yeah, things that are different, things that are new, things that are challenging. You're probably right. Absolutely. And even then, uh, a really, really smart friend of mine uh, always says that uh, the brain, and this, this is kind of switching gears a little bit, but I think it still has to do with imposter syndrome. And I, I've always wondered if people who are more susceptible to imposter syndrome have more kind of more, not more receptivity to uh, th- things that are happening in the mental health world, but also trauma as well. Cause a friend of mine always says that people always process their trauma at the age they were when it happened. And it kind of makes you wonder how that kind of files into, okay, if I, if I'm still working and still kind of processing all these things that have happened, no wonder I don't feel like I fit in here because every, mm-hmm. there are so many signs in my life that have told me no, or that I'm not good enough, or that maybe like people have just flat out come up and told other humans, hey, you shouldn't be here. Why are you here? And it all just kind of compounds and spirals. Like, no wonder. Well, and you have to think, you, you see, um, like let's talk about like a graduate school class, for example. You just see the people that are sitting there in front of you. You don't see their background. You don't see what they do every day. You don't see where they came from. You don't see how they process things. Um, you just see this, them working in an academic setting while you're comparing yourself with everything you know about yourself and what you've gone through, what you did to be there and all of that. I mean, that's not a fair comparison. And then you throw social media on top oh, of Lord. that and everything else. And there, there's a whole other podcast that's dedicated to social media and UIL culture. But that, mm-hmm. that, there are some spicy takes in there that I think we may need to save for maybe <laughs> next season. But it's, it's so easy to just get caught up in, and I know this is a really common saying, it's so easy to get caught up in everyone else's highlight reel and just go, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, their lives are perfect. Everything is exploding in multiple ways. But no, like it's, let's be real. It's 2021. Everybody's got something that's exploding. And, but the good news about all this is that everybody's a lot more honest about everything true. happening. And when there's more transparency, there's more healing and there's more progress, especially on this front. Yeah. Well, you know, I definitely believe in the saying that comparison is the thief of joy. I think right when you take whatever's going on in your life, little or big, and you process it by, you know, through the filter of someone else's life, it's never going to come back as joyous as it was when it began, when you process it through the lens of someone else's story, because that's just not how experiences work. Um, you know, it's your life for a reason and it can't be compared to other people. Um, and yeah, social media has a lot to do with comparison as well. It's very easy to fall into that trap. 
Comparison is, I think, the, the key to all of this. You know, you're comparing yourself to the people around you. Going back to the Time article, they also talk about how um, people, if you're going into a situation where you are different in some way, that, you are, that you're more susceptible to feelings of imposter syndrome. So one example is um, the, a majority of band directors are men. And, you know, and it's, it's changing every single day and we're seeing more women in, in the field and all of that, and that's great. But I like right now, I, on my track, I work with one other woman and everybody else is a guy. And that doesn't mean anything negative on their part at all, but it means that I see less people like myself which then feeds into that anxiety and feeds into that, oh, well, I'm different. Why am I here? You know, and it's just a never ending cycle. And that can apply to a whole bunch of things. It can apply to gender. It can apply to sexual orientation, people of color, um, anything that you can anytime imagine. Anytime you're a minority in a group. Anytime. Yeah. yeah. Age. You walk in. A lot of us see these great band directors and they're older, um, which is fine. But we walk in as young directors and we're comparing ourselves in our one year, two year, three years of experience. Um, it's important to, to keep in mind that you are you. Your experience is your experience and you have amazing things to offer. Yeah, it's funny that you mention um, how you have typically worked with men. I mean, it's the same for me too and nothing wrong with that, but it has um, come back to bite me recently because it, um, a coworker's baby shower has fallen into my lap and as my job and to plan and things like that which i want to do because you know having a baby is a big deal and you should make a big deal about it i think it's mm -hmm. important as workplace oh, yeah. culture to like celebrate other people's big life moments at work and everything but i just don't know the first thing about planning a workplace baby shower because <laughs> somehow everyone that i've always worked with like closely has almost always been um dudes and they're usually single as well so like nothing huge to celebrate like marriage <laughs> or babies and so like the other day well the librarian she's actually saving my bacon because she uh, she kind of was like how much have you planned and I was like uh I'm gonna order a cake and she was like okay and she was like I'm gonna she, I'm gonna make a balloon arch and we're gonna have a game and she started she's starting to really help me but then yesterday I was talking with her and, and I was like I just really don't have experience with this I don't know what it is but I've always worked closely with men and they happened to not have any children in the time that I was working with them and she was like how old are you and I was like well I'm 28 I mean yeah, people I know are having babies. I just haven't planned anything for them. <laughs> okay, well, don't ask me either because that's not it's not an area of expertise that I have either. Yeah, same here. But I'm uh, learning. <laughs> Chelsea brings up a really good point, and I, I wanted to kind of jump on that. Uh, the the importance of acknowledging intersectionality for anyone who has who falls under maybe more than one uh, definition of minority, whether that be a person of color gender identity as well. Uh, at the end of the day, one of the most important things we can do for, for folks who are in that category is just to sit down and listen. Mm -hmm. And for, for any, that extends to anybody with imposter syndrome as well. Um, just like one of the, how one of the things we are most passionate about uh, speaking, especially in YBDT, is building relationships not only with your students, but with each other and establishing this wide-reaching community. Uh, that's a resource we can use to help each other. 
whenever imposter syndrome starts to take over. And it might not feel like much, but just having having someone who might not have been there before, but understands the the building blocks of the circumstances that you currently find yourself in, that is willing to just sit down and let you speak unhindered, is a really powerful thing. It is. And, you know, I just love the way you talk about stuff like this, Taylor, because this is like the reason why we wanted to bring you on for this topic, because you, uh, you and I share the same philosophy that only good can really come from vulnerability. Like vulnerability is what brings connection and Absolutely. community and understanding. And I know that you and I have always agreed on that. And I that's hard for a lot of people, but I've had enough moments in my life where I've learned that the only way you can really connect with someone is by being vulnerable. And so I value it and I like pursue it a lot of times. Um, but yeah, but also it's important to remember that even if you, even if someone is not identified as a minority, everyone has their own baggage. Yes, everyone. Yes. And so if someone is, you know, acting in a way that you don't understand or you don't agree with, or, you know, you can, you gotta support them in a way of acknowledging what they have going on. You just never know everyone's story. You never do. Um, mm -hmm. there's always going to be things that might not add up to you on the surface, but you have the option to be there for that person. And if you want to dig deep with them, you can, or you can just, you know, still support them on the surface. Like if you are someone who works with a younger teacher, like a perfect example of a lot of this that we're talking about is, um, student teaching. And if you're someone who has a student teacher, um, in your program, keep in mind that they are probably questioning themselves often. So like really easy surface level things that you could do to support someone in a role like that, like student teachers, first year teachers, that kind of thing, or even a new teacher on your campus that maybe is experienced, mm -hmm. but doesn't know everybody yet is just like, um, positive reinforcement for little things that they do well, or they do right, or introducing them to people and, you know, getting them connected and kind of, um, talking them up on the things that you acknowledge or just, or also like offering to work with this, them on things that you might think they don't know quite as much about. You know, like we have a first year teacher in our district and she's teaching beginner flute at another school. And I just wanted to make sure she knew my door was open. Like I will come to your campus and teach a class so you can watch, or we can just hang out after school and play flute together one day, or I can send you the packet that I made and you can just use, pick and choose what you want out of that, knowing that she you know, might not know as much as me on that topic and just letting her know that I'm there for her. And it kind of works out because she's a horn player and I'm teaching beginner horn, so I was like, and then we can just do a quick role reversal and you can tell me everything that I need to do <laughs> to fix my French horns. <laughs> so, I mean, something like that takes, what, two seconds to, to say to somebody, like, hey, I'm here for you and you're doing a good job. That takes two seconds and it's worth it because, you know, imposter syndrome, as we've said, happens to everybody. Absolutely. And even then, uh, with the, the two years that I've been involved with the college team and YBDT, I've worked with several student teachers. And normally we try to have some sort of student teacher Zoom gathering where we just pile everybody into one Zoom room and just say, okay, what's on your mind? What do y'all mm -hmm. need to talk about? Uh, what kind of 
what, what, like what's running through your brain right now that we can, we can just kind of help you with in this community? And so, so many of them have talked exactly about what you've mentioned. And all, all that anyone ever needs in that situation is some form of support or affirmation. And e even, even if they're not doing everything well, just got to some sort of sign like, hey, you're here for a reason. You're doing better than you think you are. Sure, there's always going to be things to improve on, but just over, not overemphasizing, but making sure they know, and you know, the, the importance and the value of extending grace sometimes instead of piling more criticism on because you never know what's happening inside somebody's brain. Yeah, and I will say too that, um, that it's also, I guess I'll say this, if you are in any moment questioning how things are going or you have imposter syndrome in that situation or whatever, you can't always rely on someone else to build you back up because of that same thing of like other people have baggage. So they might be going through something that else. Um, we're all humans and it's a messy life out there, folks. But, mm. oh, you know, you goodness. also have to have ways to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just keep going, you know. Um, and so I think it's important to have like um, – either I think it's important to have goals small goals and big goals in your teaching or even in your relationships and stuff so that you are accomplishing things so you still feel like you're on track I guess you could say and so you could say like okay so I taught that class and it was a little iffy because I didn't know I didn't know you know some of the ins and outs of what I was teaching as well as I should have but I did accomplish this goal of getting that student to do this one thing better and that's great. So I'm going to keep working on that other thing. You know, just reminding yourself of those little goals as you go along, I think is really helpful. What else would you guys say is good for just keeping yourself going? Something that I have talked with my, with my own therapist um, about some thought patterns and stuff um, is, and I think I saw it somewhere else in one of the articles that I read, is analyzing your own thoughts. Like as a very first step, that thought that you're having, is it helpful to you or are you hurting yourself okay think about that and then think about is this an acceptable thought that i'm having is this a thought that is constructive or is this something that i need to let go of or think about in a different way um, and i know that personally on my own journey with you know anxiety and and it and it all of its stuff that has really helped me especially when i'm in the moment stopping myself just for a second and saying okay was that a positive thing or was that something that's going to end up building up and hurting me in the long run starting there if you're not doing anything else starting there recognizing these thoughts of imposter syndrome or anxiety or whatever else you're dealing with can be a huge help before you go to the next step whether the next step is talking to someone that you you trust like a colleague a friend if you don't have anyone contact us message me on instagram girl guy i got you okay <laughs> find me on instagram find amanda i'm speaking for her find amanda find taylor no don't and we'll find talk me. to you too don't find me. i'm just kidding <laughs> amanda is a cryptid on social media yeah <laughs> don't find anyone except for amanda oh um, no. just kidding you can, you can find me too you probably Seriously. already have <laughs> 
But we have this community in YBDT, and we have a community of just as band directors. We're all going through this, and sometimes we feel alone on our own campuses because we're our own experts, you know. Um, whether that's going to see your own therapist and having those conversations with a professional, which I highly recommend. Um, but yeah, the, the, the th thing that I have found that helps me a lot is first stopping and looking at that thought that you just had. For sure, for sure. Uh, kind of jumping on top of that, the article mentions a lot about uh, reframing, not, not only analyzing your thought patterns, but learning how to reframe them in mm -hmm. not only in an effort to make thing make to rewrite your processes and your neurons and all that like neurobiology stuff that is way outside of our pay grade but we're all just a little bit fascinated by anyways <laughs> but also in in an attempt to just kind of be a little bit gentler with everything as well and something that I did my first year of teaching and honestly I started it again this year at the beginning of the year because starting beginners in the the mess that all of this is is something I hope I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Somehow we succeeded and we got everybody up off the ground. But I at the end of the day, I somebody gave me a journal. Uh, I, I do a lot of writing on the side. People know to just give me journals when they, they don't know what else to do. So I found one of my journals and I thought, you know, it's so easy to get caught up on the one bad thing that happened in an otherwise ordinarily really good day. So at yes. the end of the day, at the beginning of the year, I would write down, okay, what are three things that went well? What is one thing that I can fix tomorrow with not, not just a little bit of thought or like something I can begin the journey towards fixing that might not necessarily be an immediate improvement, but I can lay groundwork for that will make things better in the long run. And it's a lot easier to kind of come to terms with the, the, the gap between how your brain sees things and how things actually are when there's a bridge in the middle of things that are achievable. That's so true. It's so easy to think about the one bad thing that happened versus the 99 amazing things that happened that day. That's a good point. Maybe I should just like talk to you guys every Sunday about about my week because <laughs> you're making me feel <laughs> so great, very accepted, a little bit reflective. A little bit sleepy. <laughs> it could be the tea that you're having too. Some yeah, nice warm tea. The t this tea is now cold, and I was oh, okay. so. Oh, I was that's so the worst. I know. I was so into what you guys were saying that I tried to take a sip, and it was cold, and I didn't want you guys to see. But I just went bleh and just spit it right back into the cup. <laughs> oh my gosh! And I thought they're gonna think I just took a nice cozy sip, but actually I just spat my tea. Literally back into what the cup. I thought. I was like, oh man. Amanda looks so cozy with her tea or little flower cup. It was so cute. These are actually snowflakes, okay? So I'm very oh, seasonal apologize. right now. It I is apologize. April 25th, and I'm drinking from a snowflake mug. To Thank be fair, in, in, it was like 40-something degrees in Saginaw a couple mornings this week. Who, who even knows what seasons are? Use your snowflake mug. God knows what's happening. Continue. Thank you, there Taylor. You Thank you. <laughs> and sometimes it's the only one that's clean because that's the kind of year we've all been having. No shame there. Ooh, oh, I don't real. know. I feel like I have a plethora of mugs. I have a little bit too many mugs, but I like them all and I don't want to, you know, get rid of them. So I move them from house to house, apartment to apartment, and then they just grow. And I'm not saying this to keep anyone from giving me a mug because I actually have some really cute ones and you can keep them coming because lots of people give me mugs, but I have like a lot. Although we usually like to throw a Christmas party 
And I'm thinking in the future, when we throw our Christmas party, I'll have like a hot cocoa station and put out all the mugs so that they will be used at least once a year, all the you mugs. Could, you could pick the mug that suits your personality that day. <laughs> I guess what you could say is that Amanda has been mean mugging for a very long oh, time. Oh, no. Sorry. It, it, I, I had to. I had to. It was there. I had to take the shot. Please don't disown me. <laughs> <laughs> now that we have officially gone off the rails, I think it is time for us to wrap this up. Agreed. Okay, thank you so much, Taylor, for coming on and talking with us about imposter syndrome. We love chatting with you and are so grateful for what you do with YBDT. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. We seriously appreciate you. This is The Band Hall, a YBDT podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Young Band Directors TX and find more information about joining YBDT at our new and improved website, YoungBandDirectorsOfTexas.org. Until next time.